Everybody, uh, this is a our John Carpenter episode of Video Vampires. Uh, this is Mickey and Jasper. So before we get into John Carpenter, Starman, <laughs> <laughs> the best John Carpenter movie ever made. Uh, <laughs> you said you wanted to talk about uh, you. You saw a movie recently. Oh yes. Okay. So I saw Call Me by Your Name, mm-hmm. which. I really loved. Uh, I wanna. I kind of want to see it again. Um, I don't remember the kid's name, but the uh, kid. He's he plays like a seventeen year old. He's like coming into himself. He's like trying to figure out um, or testing, you know, these boundaries and sexuality. And he is fantastic. He's really great. And then there's also this fucking guy's name, man. Army, Army Hammer. Hammer. I can't stand his name. Uh, who name? Who? Who decided that was his name? Like, his parents? Mr. and Mrs. Hammer. <laughs> it's awful. I hate his name, but, man, he is a gorgeous specimen well, of human. Well, you know, well, why, wait, actually, out of curiosity, why is this movie relevant to video vampires? Well, <laughs> uh, go see it, by the way. It is very elegant and beautiful and sad. Uh, it is made by the same guy who is remaking Suspiria, which is really strange because I didn't know that until after I saw it. Um, but I kind of, it gave me hope that it's not going to be a mess that I thought it was. Because mm-hmm. this, this movie is really great. It's very well done. The writing is great. The directing is great. It looks beautiful. The score is great. So even though it's a different genre, it gave me hope that this guy is going to treat Suspiria very well. Yeah. And he's an Italian director, too, so I feel like he might have been influenced. I don't know. I sure. Didn't, I didn't really know anything about him, but I feel like it made me feel a little better after seeing it. Like, oh, okay, this guy is is really invested in what he does. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm always a fan of when, you know, non... I'm not always a fan, but I like do like it when a non-genre director is, you know, doing yeah. something like this because it makes me feel like whoever is behind the movie... Uh, is taking it seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. the studio is not just like, oh, you know what, we're going to remake this horror movie, let's just get the guy who did The Conjuring 2 to do it. Yeah, and it's like, fuck exactly. that, you know? Yeah, like that guy, <laughs> you know? I don't like, even know, I, by the way, oh. I don't know who directed Conjuring, I just threw out, like, I, I know, you know what I it's meant. like, oh, I did Cars 17, and it's like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know, aren't there, like, a bunch of those movies? Pixar? Yeah. Pixar cars? There are like four. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of them is fantastic. I've only ridden the ride. I've never actually oh. watched them. <laughs> I was just talking about the first one. Um, anyway, um, I didn't really see any, I didn't see anything new. I just watched, I rewatched, um, real quickly, I just rewatched a movie called uh, Nomads. Oh, I don't know if I've seen it. <clears throat> it was directed by John McTiernan, the guy who did Predator. It was his first movie. Mm-hmm. It stars uh, this actor named Pierce Brosnan uh, coming off of television. Really? Yeah, it was his first movie out of, uh, you know, uh, off of Remington Steel. And um, it's a really weird movie that I kind of love. And it's just like this anthropologist is like he's, it's kind of told like it's really weird. It's like, it starts off with him dying. Uh Uh-huh. And him like basically passing his memories over to this nurse Uh that's like watching over him and and he's this anthropologist who's been, you know, studying nomads. And uh, <laughs> he gets terrorized by a pack of nomads that are, like, supernatural. Yeah. That are, like, dressed like like punk rockers. It's, like, Mary Warnoff from uh, Eating Raul in Rock and Roll High School. Adam Ant. Um, the guy who played Romero in Escape from New York, which we'll get into in uh-huh. a few. Like, all, they, they played these weird, like, biker punk ghosts it's okay the table's not gonna fall down um and they basically just like so you're seeing everything that's happened to pierce brosnan leading up to his death okay and then from there it's this really bizarre movie um i it's it's you know the thing is like i know it's not great and Mm -hmm. and pierce brosnan cannot he's i love pierce brosnan but guy cannot do a french accent for the life of me or him but 
Um, there's something really awesome about this. It's, like, so atmospheric. Um, I really dig it. And then um, I watched Taurus oh. Trap. 1979, 1980. Uh, it sounds really familiar. Why? You've seen it because it's got like you know like the mannequins with the weird mouths. I'll show you a picture yeah. afterwards. You'll go, oh, that movie. That yeah. that's fantastic. And that uh, it's on Shutter. Um, you know, and I watched too on Shutter, which is great because I have your password. Yeah. But I watched Hostel. Ooh. Eli, is it that rough? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's not as bad as I remember, but it's still really funny and. Really kind of sexist and gross, um, especially in the beginning. I was like, oh, ew, I forgot that this was so terrible. But I think when it came out, I was probably, like, right out of high school or something. I was like, cool. Do you, uh, you know what I want to see that's on Shudder? What? That movie, Let Me Make You a Martyr, starring Marilyn Manson. Oh, okay. I saw the preview. It looks I've good. I've never seen it. I heard it was good. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I like Marilyn Manson. He's just a fucking weirdo. You know what I mean? So he just kind of does things that he likes, which is <clears throat> He looks good in it. Um, shoot, there was another movie I saw that I wanted to talk about, but I forgot. I've just been re-watching Carpenter films. It was October, you know, so yeah, I went through... I, I went through so the many. The regulars, which makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, I, I was trying to do... Oh, I watched The Disappointments Room, okay, which is not a good film, mm-hmm. but I I read the screenplay before I watched it, because I like reading them, sometimes sure. people will send me them, um, and the screenplay, reading it, sounded so much better mm-hmm. than what I saw on film, but it, it translated exactly how it was written, it just, like, wasn't good. <laughs> but it was written by Wentworth Miller, who wrote Stoker, which is a great oh, movie, Oh, right, yeah. And you liked that, yeah. yeah. Well, did you see it? No, I, I haven't, what and I, I I want to because I had a crush on. Um, well, it's uh, her. I I always mess up his name, so I. I was talking about her, Mio. Oh Dasa yeah, Kaza, whatever. I always mess up her name as well because I'm an idiot. But yeah, uh, Soaker's great. You should actually watch that. Yeah. Watch that right now, and then watch The Handmaiden because. Oh yeah, no, it's on my queue. I mean, the problem beautiful. with the problem with all of these. I mean, look. On one hand, I love Shutter and I love Netflix and I love. You know, Amazon Prime. On the other hand, like, it makes it so hard to actually sit down and watch things. I'll go, oh, yeah, I'll just put that on my queue. And then I end up watching something. I mean, like, I also yeah, have, like, a, like, a library oh. <laughs> here that, like, I'm, like, always pissed off that I don't. Uh, I watched uh, during Thanksgiving. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. I watched um, Tetsuo the Iron Man. Did you ever see that? I don't think so. I was just in the mood for something really. Uh, it's um, It's kind of like a Japanese eraser head in the 80s. It's, like. This dude, um, it starts off with this That's guy, cool. like, shoving metal into his, like, leg, mm-hmm. and then he, like, walks out, and then he gets hit by this, like, businessman, and then the businessman, slow, like, throughout the movie, starts slow, like, starts turning into this weird, like, biomechanical thing. It's uh-huh. really bizarre, and I love it, and I was like, you know, I haven't watched this all the way through in years, so I'm gonna sit down and watch it, and it's fucking fantastic, and it's, like... 80 minutes of just what the fuck, you know? Really? I love Japanese movies. It's great. Um, That's what I was always going to remind me of Akira, that name. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear it, I'm just like... Well, the guy made... And also, he made three more. He made Tetsuo the Iron Man. He made Tetsuo the Bullet Man. Really? Yeah, and then Tetsuo the something. Um, the first one is the one that's the most, like... No. Abstract. Well, yeah, um, but also abstract. You know, the other ones, like, have kind of a plot. This one's more of just, like, this guy going fucking crazy and turning mm-hmm. into this weird... It's awesome. Um... Very like sixteen millimeter. It was really cool. Um, so uh, R- John Carpenter, though, that's yes. something we we always agree on. Yeah, and I think we waited so long to do a Carpenter episode because we both love him so much that it would feel cheap. Yeah, I guess at first to start with it. I agree. Um, but it's it's due time. Yeah. Um, plus, he's such a icon now. Not now. I, th- I think he always was. But no, but I think there was a time period where there he wasn't, like, I mean, like... He wasn't as popular. I wasn't as popular, you know? I mean, like, he's always been John Carpenter, but, like, I can remember in, like... I remember when Ghosts of Mars came out. Yeah. I saw that in the theater. I was just thinking about those, that series of movies, you know, in the 90s that are not Hey, great. hey, we're going to talk about those series in a second. <laughs> but uh, I saw Ghosts of, the Mar- uh, Ghosts of Mars in the theater, and uh-huh. I was one of four people, and the other three were with me. Yeah. And they didn't want to see it. I was like, I want to see it because it's John Carpenter. 
And because how bad can it be? And I will I will say this, I've rewatched Ghost of Mars and even John Carpenter at his worst, mm-hmm. which I would say maybe is his worst. Yeah. Uh is still better then, than most. Yeah. I um agree. but uh the theater was empty. You know, and yeah. it's like and you know, I think I think the internet I to be honest, I think like the whole like internet becoming like, you know, what it is today, mm-hmm. I think it really helped with like people Revive. going, Hey, wait a minute, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like John Carpenter, he's fucking great. And then a lot of directors now like are or kind influence. of are yeah, yeah, and they're they're absolutely. I mean, think about like what was the one that you showed me years ago, the guest. Yeah, that's got Carpenter. Yeah, it's, you know, Stranger Things. You know, like Carpenter's getting a really big resurgence. But like, what I like, and I, I you know, and I both um, have seen him do this. But like, uh, he's it's funny because like now it's like he's getting this like big surge of popularity again. Yeah. But it's not. I mean, it is to do with his films, but it's really his. Music? Yes, which is cool as shit. I mean, we've talked about this before because I've gone and seen him so many times, and I know you've seen him too, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he is just cool. Like, he's a cool old guy. Yeah. You know? Like, I would say he's on my level of, like, Lemmy and Bowie and Print. You know what I mean? Like, just fucking doesn't give a shit and is going to do whatever he wants and that. It was something I was thinking about when we were talking about doing this episode, like... My four favorite directors mm-hmm. are no longer directing films. Like they're do, they're getting. I mean, they're doing stuff that's like they're they're still working, but it's all outside of film. Yeah, you know, like I mean, David Lynch, aside from Twin Peaks, was well, doing music. Yeah, you know, I actually like his music too. I do too. Uh, oh. Carpenter music. John yeah. Waters is writing books more frequently because he can't get financing for his movies, and which then, is crazy. It is, but I mean, they don't look at like. You know, the minority that loves these movies, they look at, like, how much money they're making. They're going to make, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Frank Henenlotter, who willfully is not making movies. He just doesn't want, you know, it's like he made Basket Case. Yeah. And then I think his last movie was Bad Biology a few years ago, and there was, like, a 16, 17-year gap, maybe even longer, between his last movie and Bad Biology, and it was just kind of like, yeah, I just don't, I don't want to do it, you know? And he's... Whatever the Museum of Modern Art uh, recently announced that uh, they're they um, they restored a, pr- a print of Basket Case. Really? Yeah, that's weird. So, but it just it, it, I was thinking about it. it's like Carpenter. Like I was so excited when we saw him last year, and it was just funny to me that like I, I, there's a few moments where I had to forget that like oh yeah like. We're here listening to him make the music from the movies yeah. that he made, which he's not doing anymore. I mean, he's producing the new Halloween. And but, I, yeah. I, yeah, and, and, and it just makes me sad because, like, I personally feel like, you know, Hollywood should collectively give a billion dollars to John Carpenter. <laughs> and if he make wants to make... whatever he wants. Well, if he wants to make whatever he wants, great. And if he wants to pocket it, great, too, because I think he's, he's earned it. And uh, let's kind of... Dive into some highlights of his career. Starman. I'm gonna get there. <laughs> um, we're gonna. I'm gonna skip around a bit. So obviously, we're gonna leave some things out. I'm gonna try to pull out the notable ones though, and for reasons. So, um, Dark Star, 1974. Which is the one I've never seen. Right, and that was a U.S. You, I thought you haven't seen The Ward either. Yeah, those are all right. Yeah. Well, he the, has I, like 30 something films. Yeah, exactly. And we're not gonna I've go through seen all 30. Most of them, except because I went through his IMDb. I haven't seen The Ward, and I haven't seen Dark Star. Right. Uh, Dark Star was a USC short film that he wrote with Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon was the co-writer. He's not the fucking co-writer. He is the writer Uh of Alien. Mm. Um, He was also the director of Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. So um, that's kind of an important thing to note there. That was like they were both USC students. Um, They had a falling out post-Dark Star. But um, still it's notable that, you know, for these two people that were kind of uh, you know, yeah. uh, did iconic work that they were to, they worked together. Uh, Dan O'Bannon's also in it, and then Assault on Precinct Thirteen, which yes. we both love, and you watched it recently. Mm-hmm. Um, Night of Living Dead yeah. with gangs, it's awesome. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and what's really notable about that, I would say even more so than Dark Star, even though I know he did the music for Dark Star, yeah, um, is the score for Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Yes, it is, is so. so I, we talked about this last episode, but that scene also. That part is so brutal when the like, girl's getting the ice cream cone and she's just like, <gasps> she was like, I want a vanilla or whatever she says. And you're like, <laughs> boom. Like, I know this is wrong to say, but like, don't you ever want to just like, 
Well, like, you know what? It's, it's, do it's, that? It's funny because, like, I, you like, know. Shut up, you little brat. <laughs> it's, well, still, it's like they don't, most movies don't do that anymore. Like, yeah. when that happens, like, there's something Wes Craven said that I always, I, I always really respect even though I think Wes Craven kind of softened up a bit about this, but like seeing one of the first things you you know if you're make, if you're a horror director, which mm-hmm. Souls and Priests and Thirteen is not a horror movie, but it's totally a horror movie. Yeah, it's an it's action like a horror thriller. Yeah, thing. but it's that the first the first person you got to make the audience afraid of is the director. Mm-hmm. So because if, if the audience thinks, oh, the director. He, I can't believe he just did that. They're not going to know what to expect. So when you kill... Uh, so When you kill a child. When yeah. you kill a child, which is the uh, Sultan Precinct 13, for those who haven't seen it, um, it's a police precinct in L.A. that's about to be shut down. Yeah. There's like a skeleton crew working there. Um, this gang kind of going on a joyride. They kill a little girl. Her, her father shoots one of them, and then they chase the father, and the father happens to go to the precinct where... Um, both, you know, the cops that are there, like they said, the skeleton crew, and now the prisoners that were being transferred to another prison that had to stop off of the precinct kind of have to band together. Um, it's Rio Bravo yeah. in a police station, but the way that, like, um, the way the gang members act, they act like zombies, you know? Like, mm-hmm. after, like, that opening scene, they don't talk at all. Yeah. They're just, like, you know... Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the beginning of, like, this is where you can start seeing John Carpenter's, like... Um, themes like yeah. his motifs you know he's really like John Carpenter like mm-hmm. has like a very you know he's a big western fan he was a big fan of like the Howard Hawks films of like you know the 40s and 50s where like you know these kind of tough do even the women are tough like yeah I was you know, gonna say like, Escape from New York absolutely like, you know um but yeah so it's only the 13 yeah and yeah. then like you know it's like basically the pre- you know like it kind of comes down to like this cop and this like convicted killer having to team up and like face off this like I mean there's a few other people but like let's face it that's at the end of the day that's who we're you know we're rooting for yeah um and so the cool thing about the Sultan Priest in 13 is though is that his soundtrack was so amazing yes that um actress Angela Pleasance had to when you know when her father was offered the role of Dr. Loomis in Halloween her father being Donald Pleasance one of the you know greatest horror actors of all time um, when he was offered the role and he was thinking, you know, he didn't know if he should take it or not. Angela Pleasant's like, no way. John Carpenter rules. That soundtrack really? kicks ass. Yeah. And so he was like, all right, my daughter thinks you're cool. You know. That's awesome. Yeah. So he, you know, so 1978 is his follow-up to Assault on Priest and Trinity, which is Halloween. I don't feel like there's not too much we need to say about no, it. No, it's Halloween. Yeah. Like, everyone, you, if you don't know, fuck you. Yeah, Jamie, I, I will say this, though. I remember, um, you know, I, I remember showing it to my little brother. When he was a kid, and him saying something really, you know, kind of poignant, I think, where he was like, he's like, it's not that I think it's, a, you know, it's not that I liked it a lot. It was just that I've seen so many movies that this movie is ripped off. Yeah. So it's kind of tough. But to that, I will say that I remember I used to own it on video. I still own it on video, but I, I watched it so many times. And um, and I kind of like, you know, it didn't, it didn't have an effect on me anymore. And then one year, it was yeah. Halloween night. It was, my friends were going to see this new movie called Saw, and I was like, fuck that, that movie's not going to go anywhere. I'm going to go see, I'm going to go see Halloween, because it's playing on on Halloween, and I went and saw Halloween, and seeing on the big screen, and really getting a, again, John Carpenter, this is a guy who, like, his, you know, he, he shoots in, um, widescreen, so it's like, he's got these beautiful, um, compositions for shots, you know, and he makes... He makes something that was made for five bucks look like it was made for 500, you know? Yeah, which is, I think I, t- I probably talked about this before, but uh, I saw a Q&A with Larry Franco, who's a producer on many of his movies, right. if not all of them. Um, and he talked about The Thing, and he was like, oh yeah, there's definitely scenes where we shot it in John's garage. Like, we didn't have enough money, or we needed to reshoot it. Um, he's like, so that was shot in his garage. And I was like, that is so fucking cool. Like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's the thing. So seeing Halloween on the big screen, um, you see a lot that you lose on video. And yeah. I love video. But, like, there were shots where I was like, oh, my God, he's Michael. You know, the shape is right there. And I never, it, you never see that in the full, you know, in the full screen, you know, cropped version yeah. on video. So seeing on in the theater, it made me scared again. So mm-hmm. I always recommend whenever there's John Carpenter movies to playing, see them, in the see them in the theater because you get 
they they hold up great on you know at home, but seeing them on the big screen is is epic. Um, Halloween nineteen seventy. Another thing that's important is that it is the first movie he will do with Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis being Janet Lee, yeah. Psycho. It's her you know daughter. Um, so nineteen seventy nine TV movie makes a movie called Elvis. Yes, which is our our star is born. Our star is born. Kurt yeah, well, Russell, baby boy. He t- so this is the first time that that he works with a uh, former Disney actor, yep. Kurt Russell, um, and we'll get into that. I mean. That is that is why Elvis is in the list of notables right now because this is the first time he works with. Well, Kurt he Russell. should be because that is I think that launched Kurt Russell's career. No, Kurt Russell had a well, he as had a, a Disney a, career, but like his whole partnership with John Carpenter. Sure, yeah, I mean, like, absolutely, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and then, um, but it, it's it's I think it's more important because they this is the first time these two great people get together and they make something. Which we're going to get into in a second, because then we have 1980, The Fog. Mm-hmm. He works with Jamie Lee Curtis again. He works with Adrian Barbeau, who he's married to at the time. Oh yeah, I forgot he was married to her. He was married to her during The Fog uh, and Escape from New York. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, the Fog is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I I showed it to somebody you know the other day and uh, or not the other day, but like a few months ago. It is a great. It is a. Um, there's you got a movie like Poltergeist, right? Which yeah. is like a roller coaster. And then you get the movie like The Fog, which is like a ghost story that you tell it. You know, like, like in the very beginning of the movie when they're all singing there by the campfire. Is the Fox Stephen King? No, that's the mist. You're thinking the mist. Oh, okay. The Who Fog wrote? is the one where like it's. No, no, no. I know. I remember the movie. Oh. I just didn't know if he wrote the book. But was there a book? No, no, no. Okay. This was this was Carpenter doing a ghost story. So the beginning of the movie, you actually have an old man, John Houseman, telling this ghost story to kids. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Lee Curtis. That's the second time he'll work with her. Um, Nineteen eighty one, Escape from New York. Yes, which is one of my favorite all-time movies. It's tough too because I, I feel like Quiskin is the ultimate man. Uh, he there, the, Kurt Russell and him had this conversation about how people say that, you know, no man is an island, and how him and Kurt Ru- and John Carpenter believe that yes, some men are islands. Yeah, and Snake Plissken's <laughs> an island, and you know, it's 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 tough because I want to kind of give people like a, a a brief synopsis, but again, I'm like Escape from New York. It's Fuck, if you haven't seen it, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, go um, read a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so, so he works with Kurt, This is the second time he's working with Kurt Russell. Yeah. Second time he's working with Donald Pleasance. He plays the president of the United States. The first and only time we're going to have a British president. Um, Adrian Barbeau. And he's not even trying to hide the accent either. Yeah. Like, he's just full-on British-American president. Uh, Adrian Barbeau. Uh, yeah. Isaac Hayes as the Duke yes. of New York. Um, and then this is, and this is something I always forget. Harry I, oh, Dean. Harry Dean. He, oh, uh, Harry Dean Stanton, who's worked with everybody that's amazing. Um, and C- John Carpenter is one of them. Um, so long story short, New York, uh, it's the future. And by the future, I think it's 1996. I know. Yeah. I think it's either 98. Isn't, I think it's 98. Okay. Either 98 or 99. Okay. So, um, it's the future. New York is a maximum security prison. The entire city of New York, Manhattan, um, is a maximum security prison. Uh, Kurt Russell plays Snake Plissken, a former war hero, now criminal, who basically has to break in and... Oh, my God, Lee Van Cleef. Forgot that he's in that, too. He plays the guy who, like, the general who, like, gives, who sends oh, Kurt yeah. Russell, uh, Snake Plissken in there. Uh, Lee Van Cleef... 97, so we were both wrong. There you go. Uh, Lee Van Cleef, <laughs> the... Um, the villain in this, uh, you know, yeah. for a few dollars more and Good, Bad, the Ugly, among other oh, things. Oh, yeah. He's. I totally forgot about that. I mean, the movie. Okay, is, yes. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, it's, the, I mean, that theme alone can, like, is just epic. Yeah. Um, so, he may, you know, and the best thing about Escape from New York is that that movie is no budget. Like, they shot that in, I think, St. Louis. And they made it look, and but the, it, again, Escape from New York kind of has the Assault on Precinct 13 thing where it's like, look, I know Escape from New York is a sci-fi film, but to me it's a horror movie. It feels like a horror movie, like that. that is a horror movie through and through just with action. Um, Alright, so, uh, 1982, The Thing. Yeah, which, which is one of the most perfect films ever made. Yeah. Uh, not just, out, even outside of John Carpenter's filmography, mm-hmm. this is a perfect movie that, when it came out, it was a huge bomb. 
along with Blade Dude, Runner. That, that, like, makes me, like, obviously it was before I was born, so it's not like I knew what it was like, but man, that movie is so good and so scary. We were just talking about it, because I rewatched it recently, how uncomfortable it makes me. Like, it is so scary still. Even as an adult, I was watching it, and I was like, damn, this is creepy and scary and I hate that thing I hate it yeah. I hate its legs I hate like everything about it. its tentacles like fuck that thing that, and what's great about that movie too is that not only is it like you know um, you know just a great like a well shot the acting in that movie is like what a yeah. great cast I mean you've got like uh, you've got Kurt Russell again yeah. this is number three for Kurt Russell and John Carpenter um, you've got Richard Mazur uh, mm-hmm. who is Veda's Uncle in My Girl 1 and 2. Oh, yeah. And he's also in um, something else. Oh, License to Drive. He plays uh, Corey Haim's dad. Uh, Keith David. Who yeah. Okay. I, well, I'll get into that later. <laughs> um, but uh, Keith David, um, who's fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, another guy who's just been in everything. Cool cucumber. That's right. Um, Tom Waits, not the musician, but the actor who is also in The Warriors. Uh, he's in it. Yeah. Um... I'm just trying to think of it. I mean, like, there's so many, like, people that just pop up here and there. You're like, oh, I've seen that person before. Mm-hmm. Oh, Wilford Brimley. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's all these guys are in on an Antarctic military base, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, um, they're like, again, another skeleton crew type people, you know, group of scientists and researchers and uh, helicopter pilot played by Kurt Russell. Um, they come across a alien life form that... Um, takes over, you know, it assimilates the people, and, um... No, again, that movie is terrifying, and it's the music, which is Ennio Morricone. Yeah. Uh, which is brilliant. Absolutely. Uh, it is just so eerie, and the music is so eerie, you know, again, I can't explain that I, how much it terrified me. It's a perfect film. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. You know, and, and, um, the special effects are... I still think Hold Up. Oh, my God. I don't know how people didn't... I don't know how that wasn't a huge hit because... Because, well, I mean, again, it was the it was the climate in 1982. Uh, the most popular movie, which came out, I think, a week or two before after The Thing and Blade Runner, which also flopped, uh, was E.T. Uh, and that's what people were responding to is, like, this heartwarming... They sto- didn't want terror. They didn't, they they didn't want, want scary alien. Little. They wanted cute, cuddly, <laughs> weird... Um, Alien with Drew Barrymore. Um, we're going to skip 1983, because we're going to come back to that. Okay. We're going to go right to 1984 for Starman. I love Starman. I love Starman so much. Listen, I know it's not his most popular, because it is a romance. But there's, like, a tinge of him in it. So of course. So you watched it, obviously. Yeah. You know, uh, especially when Jeff Bridges is transforming from this, like, alien into human. Jeff Bridges. Yeah, uh, and it's just so warm and, and uh, well, not always. Like, uh, obviously the premise is this woman husband dies. Right. And then um, an alien being comes to Earth and assumes his... Like you, you know, do. Likeness, yeah. And she basically finds him and is terrified because her husband just died. She's having, like, the worst time of her life and sees him. And then she also has to train this... Alien, how to be a human, and then also falls in love with him. But it's funny because she also realizes that it's not her husband; that it's like a different right being. Um, I don't know. Remind me, who's the bad guy in that? Fuck, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember who played him. Like you know what I mean? Like it because it, it, I know that I, it's been a lifetime. I probably say a, a, quite a few decades, at least two. Since I've seen um, Starman, and you're right, it's not my favorite of his movies. Um, it's just it's the only one of John Carpenter's movies that my mom can watch. <laughs> no, and that I that that's you're probably not the first person to have said that. Uh, I always forget that it's John Carpenter uh, because of that exact reason. Um, the bad I, was there a bad guy in there? They were like cops or like agents, you know, trying to like capture the alien. Um, I don't remember, I don't recognize his name. Well, you know who's in that movie was, um, Charles Martin Smith, who directed our Halloween episode film, Trick or Treat. Oh, he did? Yeah. That's funny. Um, 
but yeah, you're right. It, 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 it's weird because it is very much, it, it definitely feels, you know, there, there's bits and pieces that are definitely John Carpenter, uh, the music not being one of them. Yeah. Which is uh, fine, because like he does, he ends up covering the theme on his newest album, and it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I like it. I like when he plays it. I think I'm the only person that he's like, I've only, ro- I've only did one romance, and I'm like, woo! And I'm the only one in the whole you know, crowd it's funny. It's funny that he says he only did one romance because, in a lot of I, ways, I think his next film in 1986 yeah. um, is, <laughs> is kind of a romance on many levels, but uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, which is very Casablanca to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, there's a bromance there. It is my favorite, my favorite movie of all time. It is so... It is the movie that always puts a smile on my face, yes, no matter what. absolutely. Um, fourth time he's worked with Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the thing being a third, Big Trouble in Little China, the fourth, uh, again, another movie that I feel like, um, doesn't need warrant any real explanation as to like, you know, well, what's it about? You know what? You're if like, you haven't fucking seen it. There's nothing I can tell you. Yeah. You have to watch it. Yeah, exactly. It is, it is it's such a fantastic film and, um. It's about a girl with green eyes. <laughs> two girls with green eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um. But Jack Burton is probably one of my, my favorite characters of all time. Like that, yes. again, like that that character can bring a smile to my face anytime. Um, so, but it, big bomb. It completely tanks. Yeah, I remember hearing that. And that's going to be a reoccurring crazy. theme when we start talking, as we get like, kind of go on, is that like a lot of Carpenter's stuff tanks when it first comes out and mm-hmm. then becomes... A cult movie. A cult film yeah. years later, you know, and like because... You know, for some odd reason, like, the people who love this movie are either not born yet or yeah. <laughs> they're not going to see it in the theater, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, so he does this, uh, next film, 1907, uh, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. With, um, he brings back Dennis Dunn from Big Trouble Little China, Victor Wong, Donald Pleasance. This will be the third time he's worked with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's been in a lot of movies. Yeah. Well, Carpenter movies. Yeah, and, and a lot of movies in general. Um, but... Uh, I love this movie. I love Prince of Darkness. Uh, brief synopsis: A bunch of uh, grad school uh, students who are sci- studying science, and I, when I say science, I mean I'm sure it's like what it's like <laughs> physics or something like that, or like <laughs> yeah. or theory. It, it's but you know there's something science in between you know algebra and recess, and uh, <laughs> no, they go to the, they uh, end up having to work with this priest played by Donald Pleasance, mm-hmm. uh, and they have to spend the night at this church. Where um, the kind of the anti god is, you know, waiting to come out again. Uh, it's a very creepy movie. Funny story, yeah. real quickly. Um, years and years and years ago, I'd say fifteen. No, no, about ten years ago, maybe. No, about fifteen years ago. I'm uh, living in Boston. It's the winter time. My roommate and I are watching this movie. I had never seen this. I just remember the cover, and I so we rented it. We're watching it, and um, halfway through. I'm, like, freaking... I'm, like, getting cold. I'm, like, I'm getting the chills, and I'm, like, oh, my God. And finally, I just turned to him. I was, like, dude, is this just me? And he's, like, no. He's, like, I'm fr- I'm getting, I'm getting like, the chills. And I'm, like, all right. So this movie is... It's either this movie's awesome... Or it's cold. Or we haven't paid our gas bill. Um, turns out we hadn't paid our gas bill, and... Because uh, the temperature plummeted. But... That's really funny. The fact that the movie was... I was... So engrossed in it that I was I was willing to believe that it was that. I mean, it was like, the movie. it is still creepy, and um, it also forms part two in his loose trilogy, the uh, the apocalypse trilogy, which starts with the thing. Mm-hmm. I saw both of those at the New Beverly. That's cool, and they were fantastic. And then last year they played Prince of Darkness in the church that it was filmed in. No but way! But tickets sold out in like oh, that's thirty awesome. seconds. Yeah, um, not a big movie, even though Alice Cooper's in it too as a homeless, crazy homeless guy. It doesn't say anything. It's awesome. Uh, Jameson Parker from, um, oh God, Kate. What was uh, what was the Jameson Parker show? He played, you know, two brothers who are detectives. Simon and Simon. There you go. Well, anyway, Jameson Parker has got the this. And, uh, he's got a mustache that, like, at any time in the movie, you think he's just gonna yank it off his face and throw it like a boomerang. Uh-huh. Um, I love Prince of Darkness. Uh, after that, 1988, one of his most famous films, uh, They Live. Yeah, which is again our Roddy Piper. Oh uh, yeah. Um, one of the best and 
best fight scenes ever. And it is so long. <laughs> like, I don't know. Even faking the fight, it's like, how much stamina do you really have? It is. Um, um, it's one of my favorite movies. And it is still very, uh, I feel like it's one of those, like, like punk kids' favorite movies because it's, like, very much against... Right. The rules of society, you know what I well, mean? Well, it's sadly it's even more relevant now I know, than I think is, it is probably yeah, when it was made. Our, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, I mean this uh basically Rowdy Piper plays this drifter who um stumbles across a pair of sunglasses that when he puts them on allows him to see that uh aliens are among us. They're hiding, um impersonating people, and they also have um here's where how it became so so famous now. Um, all of the billboards have subliminal messages. Yeah, obey. Obey, which is what Shepard Fairey openly yep. says. I, I took it from the movie They Live. Yeah, obviously. And then he made it into this whole empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, all starts with They Live. Um, greatest fight scene. Yeah, greatest fight scene mm-hmm. ever in a that movie. Was, that was... It's realistic. Yeah, but it was also made under the... Uh, they, were made, they, were like, they made the fight scene that long because they wanted to top the fight scene in The Quiet Man. Oh, which wow. Was, which was originally the longest fight scene, or fist fight, yeah. Ever? Ever, yeah. Um, I got to meet Keith David yeah. years and years and years ago. Uh, I got to work on a film with him, and then at the rap party, not the rap party, the premiere, um, it was open bar. Mm-hmm. So I had a few <laughs> drinks, and I kept coming by to Keith David and telling him about, like, you know, um, how much I loved him in the thing. <laughs> and then another, another few more drinks, and I had to come over, and I just, like, gushed to him about they live and the fight scene and um he was uh he was a really awesome dude it was really cool to meet him and i have him turn out to be a really like amazing dude like yeah um and he was really kind and um and then fast forward a few years later steve sears and i mm-hmm. are in second city and we're talking we're in a hallway we're talking to each other and uh roddy piper walked by i was like <gasps> excuse me fellas and we we're like yep and we just kind of like we're like yeah no big deal and he just as the second his back was turned we just completely like, like oh because um, he was my favorite you as a kid who that was? yeah <laughs> so I, I i feel you know at least i've been within a foot of both of yeah, both people damn. in the greatest fight scene in uh in movie history uh 1992 memoirs of the visible man mm-hmm. starring chevy chase i do not care for this one as much i forgot i remember seeing it but i i don't think i've ever watched it since Hmm. Chevy Chase wanted to make a serious movie. John Carpenter wanted to make a serious movie. The studio, Warner Brothers was like, no, no, no. Chevy Chase. It's kind of the same problem that Vampire in Brooklyn with Wes Craven and Eddie Murphy had. Where it was like, yeah. Where um, you had comedians who wanted to um, kind of go outside their their norm. And the studio was kind of like, no, no, it needs to be. Yeah, we want what we want. Exactly. Money. Um, But it's. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's about the memoirs of an invisible man. I don't yeah, know. I remember it being stupid. Uh, special effects wise, it was pretty great, yeah. you know. But uh, I also don't really like Chevy Chase and anything besides the, year, the vacation movies and Fletch and Funny Farm. But did he do Funny Farm? Yeah, wasn't it Chevy Chase? Yes. <laughs> um, Wait, he's getting dirty work too. As okay. The doctor. Okay. That I'll give him. I'll give him those. Uh, Nineteen ninety three. Uh, HBO's got Tales from the Crypts. Uh, Showtime wants their own Tales from the Crypt show. They commissioned John Carpenter to do Body Bags, which is this weird um, kind of like it's good. And I don't I, think I've ever seen it. I will. I'll get you a way of seeing it. Okay. Um, but uh, it's three short films, three short horror films. It was meant to be. It was like meant to be like a, an anthology series, like Tales from the Crypt. But just yeah. on, on, you know. But uh, the first two were done by Carpenter. The last one was done by Toby Hooper. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Um. It's great though. Um, he also John Carpenter also plays the Crypt Keeper character, um, mm-hmm. you know, and he's having a great time doing it. So it's like, oh man, John Carpenter should. John Carpenter has acted before uh, that. He was in The Fog. He uh, he's, he pops up here and there in his movies. Um, this is the I think this is the big year, one of the big years. Um, as we wind down, uh-huh. uh, in the mouth of madness, which yeah. is a fucking amazing. I feel like that's his last before he starts getting into the weird nineties. Exactly that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, this is the big year where it's like this is like I, I feel like this is the last of the old Carpenter, or you know, yeah, this is this yeah. is the f- final the finale of his prime. You know, like um, Sam Neill is fucking rad. He is the most frightening man. Uh, I know 
okay, everyone wants he's to the best part. Well, no, 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 no. Jeff Goldblum's best part, but he's the second best part. You know why? I think it's because I watched Event Horizon so many times. But listen, which didn't scare the shit out of me at all. It's him who scares me. It's his whole. It's the way he talks. His face when he's here. It's like it's him, but he is a frightening man. I don't know how else. It's like his eyes. <laughs> all right. Okay. Just watch everything that he's ever done, and then look at his eyes. So Sam Neill plays an insurance <laughs> investigator who is searching for, who's looking for a missing um, horror writer that's kind of modeled after Stephen King. It also kind of, um, you know, uh, it's so it, he's searching for like a, a, this 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 uh, writer named Sutter Kane who's supposed to be like a Stephen King character, mm-hmm. but it kind of you know uh, foretells the uh, Harry Potter craze, you know. Um, but the the writer's missing. And he goes to find them, and he basically kind of, like, opens up. It's a very Lovecraftian um, horror film. Very meta. Awesome. It is uh, the third film in the Apocalypse trilogy following The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and then In the Mouth of Madness. Um, Great film. Check it out. Uh, It's great. Sam Neill is a good guy in it. Which doesn't happen often. Yeah, but when it does, frightening face. When it it does happen, it's worth checking it out. (laughs) Um, So, same year... He does a remake, uh, his second remake, because remember The Thing in 82 is yeah. a remake of The Thing from Another World. Uh, second remake that he's done, as I'm going through the list, uh, and it is Village of the Damned. I like, alright, I haven't watched it, we talked about this because uh, earlier, but I haven't watched it in a long time, but I remember liking it. Not bad. Um, we talked about the cast, Christopher Reeves, yeah. R.I.P. A lot of R.I.P.s in this episode. Yeah, um, Mark Hamill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He. Yep. He's in. He plays the priest. Um, Patton Oswalt's new wife. She's, oh, she's in, in it. it. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. I remember watching this. Kirstie Alley. Yeah. R.I.P. Career. Watching- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, she got weird. Um. Yep. Little kids. You know. Yeah. Being creepy. Little kids being creepy. Ta- small town. Small village. Mental abilities. Yeah. I, I mean, that would be weird if everyone woke up pregnant one day. It's good. It's a, um, I mean, the Carpenter I one's would a good move. one. Yeah. yeah. I would. Look, there's a lot of these horror movies, especially on the Carpenter list, that I feel like if this was me, I would have done XYZ. Um, you know what I mean? Like Prince yeah. of Darkness. I would have, you know, been like, you want me to give up my entire weekend to spend it in a church? Fuck that. <laughs> I wouldn't even been in the movie. Um... <laughs> This one's kind of a weird one because, like, I, it, it depends on my mood. But 1996 teams up with Kurt Russell one last time mm-hmm. for Escape from L.A. Oh, I forgot about Escape. I didn't know we were going to talk about it. Also, Bruce Campbell's in it. Yeah, Bruce Campbell. Uh, uh, everybody's in that one. It is not good, but I still like it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not. It, I, th- I think it's a little. It takes what... It's very 1996. Right. It is the 1996 version of Escape from New York. It's yeah. almost down to the same plot. Changed it up with L.A., but, like, you know, there's the part in Escape from New York where he has a fight to Ooh, the Oh, the death. surf part. Come yeah, on, man. Yeah, there's parts, like, the CGI shark in the beginning. <laughs> um, it's... Here's the weird thing, is though. I read this interview with Carpenter where he said that he prefers Escape from L.A. over Escape from New York. Really? And the one thing that made me go, what the fuck? Yeah, but is that why? It, well, I mean, he just thinks it's a better movie. But um, I think it's because he had more money to make yeah. Escape from L.A. But he made a point saying that, hey, you know what? People didn't people didn't, uh, didn't like this movie or The Thing, and then they loved it later. You know what I mean? They so loved like, it later, It's like, yeah. what's going to happen 10 years from now? Are people going to be like, you know what was a great movie? Escape from L.A. Uh, isn't that the one where Kurt Russell and Peter Fonda, like, high-five while surfboarding? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Um... No, uh, Escape from L.A. is basically a beat-for-beat beat remake of Escape from New York. Um, you know, I mean, it really is. Like, you've got the whole plan to go into the the, uh, the city that you're not you're never going to survive yeah. um, with no weapons. And then, although I think he goes in there pretty armed to the teeth. And, um, you know, he runs into a, you know, instead of Cabby from Escape from New York, it's, it's Steve Buscemi. It's Map of the Stars Eddie. Yeah. Uh, instead of Brain or Harry Dean Stanton, it's Pam Greer. His old, the, the old accomplice that uh, oh, yeah. betrayed him. Um, and then, you know, the there's so many similarities between the two movies, but yeah. um, it, it's got some really good moments. It, it really does. Like, and I also love the basketball scene. 
Do you remember this one? So it's kind of like an escape. Yes. In Escape from New York, he I has do. that gladiatorial battle in Escape from LA. He's got the basketball one. Did you know that Kurt Russell made that shot? I think I remember hearing about that. They were like, they were like, they were like, you know, they were going to do like a, st- you know, have somebody else do it. Yeah. But he was like, let me just he do like, one. I got it. Let me just do one take. And so he turned up, boom. I'm Kurt Russell. I He's can Kurt do Russell. everything. He was like, have you seen Tombstone? <laughs> um, so that's Escape from LA, 1996. And then we go to, um, I was going to tie this in when you were talking about, what was that movie you saw that by the guy who did Suspiria? Or he's going to do Suspiria? Call Me By Your Name. Call Me By Your Name? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know who hated that movie? Who? James Woods. You remember that? Wait, he that, hated what movie? The movie that you were just talking about, the one that, with Army Hammer. Why? Uh, because Fuck it... Fuck James Woods. Yeah. I don't think he actually saw the movie. Well, he probably didn't you know, you know, we don't know if he saw the movie or not, but he, like, he criticized it because it was about an older man, at, you know, in a relationship with a younger man, and you don't remember this whole thing when James, people were like, hey, wait a minute, didn't you date, like, a girl that was, like, 30, 40 years younger than yeah, you? Yeah, but I don't know if he said all this, the movie just came out. No, I mean, it's been, it, it was gotten buzz like a month ago. Oh, yeah. In Look the, it up. In it, the award circuit or like the... Well, the, in the uh, James Woods circuit on, and James Woods is on Twitter, so... What is he even talking about? Well, he's about... I don't know. I, I wanted to say more about that movie, but it's really difficult, especially when we're talking about John Carpenter. Right. But people are in America are so afraid of sexuality mm-hmm. that like we've reversed a lot. Yeah. Uh, so fuck James Woods. Well, yeah, fuck also, James Woods. Also, Vampire sucks. No, Vampire, that's what I was going to say. This is the last movie. This is the last good movie that Vampire. What are you talking about? Vampires is not a good movie. Dude, Vampires is a fantastic movie. You're wrong. I'm not. Vampires is so good. Vampires is fantastic. So John Car- I think that movie I intentionally forgot about. Like, I watched it and was like, I'm going to pretend that John Carpenter never movie made is this. fucking badass. <laughs> uh, and the best thing is that, like, the book that it's, ba- that one's based on a book. I read the book. And the movie only is the beginning of the book, and then John Carpenter takes it in a whole different direction. And it's a rock and roll movie. Oh, my it's, God. It's, it's really... I, look, I know it's flawed, but I remember seeing it in the theater and being the only person there who was like, this is great. Uh, the bad guy from Karate Kid 3 is a vampire? Come on. <laughs> James Woods in the last good James Woods role. You are saying one this. of the yeah. One this of, is your opinion. Uh, Cheryl Lee from from Twin Peaks. Uh, what's his face? Uh, one of the Baldwin's. That's not Alec. Steven? Uh, no, Steven's the crazy one from Biodome. Yes. <laughs> and then there's William Baldwin. Alec? No, not Alec. <laughs> I know. One of the Baldwin's who's not the crazy one and yeah. not the good looking one that was in Flatliners. The one in between. The one who's what? kind of like. A cross between Alec Baldwin now yeah, and his younger so brother. Yeah, they're there's like a, a Wahlbergs. Yeah, there's only two Wahlbergs. No, there's like seven of them. What? And a, yeah, okay, so the, one of the Wahlberg brothers is in The Departed, um, but there's a shit. Yeah, ton of Mark. Wahlbergs. No, man. In <laughs> as an extra, he's like one of the cops in a round table. Oh, but, but it's everybody in Boston. A, everybody in Boston thinks they're a Wahlberg. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, that was 1998, and then we got uh, Ghost of Mars, which is in 2001. Uh, we kind of talked about that real quickly. Then he disappears for oh, a good chunk of uh, maybe like nine years. Yeah. And does uh, there, there's that show Masters of Horror. He did a fucking he did the best one, Cigarette Burns, the one where Norman Reedus from uh, Walking Dead and Boondock Saints. And yeah. Too. He's uh, he's basically ta- he's like an owner of a theater who has to go find like this rare. Um, like film print for this mm-hmm. movie that was only shown once, but there's like these crazy riots and like people went insane after seeing it, kind of like the King in Yellow type yeah. uh, thing. And he basically goes on this like globe trotting quest for this like missing print. Um, it's fantastic. It was the best. And then he did, uh, John Carver also did the pro life episode. Um, and then he does the ward, which I yeah. haven't seen because I, I don't want to. I'm afraid. I am too. I am. I, I'm too. And, um, I'm just going to leave it be, you know? And I think Amber Heard is in it. Yeah. Which is great. She's beautiful, but I don't think I've seen her in anything where I thought she was good. Well, I also realize that I have to, I have to like, make a f- quite a few apologies for, you know, vampires or... or I have to, I have to be very so accepting. So I'm, so I'm, g- I'm going to let, I'm going to let the ward go. I'm like, you know what? I just don't have it in me to, like, uh... But to, to watch it? I don't yeah. think I do either. Vampi- Not yet. But vampires, here's the thing is that, like, I will say what? this. About, no, shush, listen. <laughs> the one thing I got to say about John Carpenter that I don't think many directors can say, I can say this about many directors, he has the best endings. 
His okay. endings are fucking awesome. Think of the ending to Escape from New York. Yeah. We won't give it away, but think of the ending in the thing. The ending to Big Trouble in Little China. The ending to Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. The ending to um, Prince of Darkness. Uh, the ending to They Live. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, where he flips Christine, off. Christine, even. Yeah, Christine. We, uh, which we watched. In the Mouth of Man. Yeah. It, he's got great endings. Yeah. Vampires has a great ending. I think you're wrong. You will, I think you got to YouTube and watch rewatch the ending because the ending is... is that I will, I, not not only am I saying goodbye to the you know John Carpenter's you know good movies after as you know at the end of that movie I'm also saying goodbye to James Woods as a actor that I could watch without you know throwing up. Um, <laughs> I'm like oh man you were in Videodrome though. Anyway we watch Christine. Yes, which is such an interesting movie. 1983. Um, very, very uh, about materialism and you know um, thinking that. An item is going to solve your problems for you. It's like, well, I mean, if only I had the cool car, and then it's evil. <laughs> sure, but it's also, I mean, it's about any obsession. Like, if you yeah. substituted Christine with, like, a woman or drugs or anything, yeah. and that's, it's, you know. It's very Stephen King. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing is, I read this, I read that book 20 years ago, maybe yeah. more than 20 years ago. I love the movie more. It's, I think it's, a, I think, the, I think it holds um, up as a movie. It doesn't hold up as much as a book. Yeah, I really, I do like this movie. It is, it is campy and creepy. And then it's also like you kind of wish for a moment, like you're like, you're like this, like this, like this, what you want. And someone takes it from you and you want them to suffer. Right. Um, but it, plus that, the, the bad guy or the bully, I can't get over how old he looks. Uh, I know you said he was 24. What was it? But what, he looks, Repertin? Buddy Repertin? Yeah. He looks 35. That kid should not be in high school. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I agree with that he does. He does look like he shouldn't be in high school. Um, no, I mean, the thing is with with this movie, it's. It, I think it's the most restrained of all of Carpenter's yes. stuff. But I also think it's like the weird thing is that like <clears throat> most of Carpenter's movies are just cool. Like the characters are cool, yeah. and the the banter and the relationships they have are cool. This one feels more. Uh, I don't. I don't Sincere, but I don't mean that none of that Carpenter's movies aren't sincere. It's just like there's something really genuine or really, really warm about the connection, the relationship between, you know, um, Keith Gordon and John Stockwell, and to see it kind of getting, you know, to see the car get in the middle of it and break them up as yeah. friends. It's like there's that scene that, like, you know, where they're driving, you know, and uh, Artie's, Artie's like, uh, you know, he's kind of completely lost at this point, you know, and, and John Stockwell is like, you know, Lou, he's, like, really upset because, like, this is his friend. He's watching his friend completely fall apart. Deteriorate. Yeah. Um, quick synopsis. Make his parents upset. Uh, teenage boy uh, buys, becomes enamored with and buys a 1958 Plymouth uh, Fury named Christine. Um, he's a bullied kid who, uh, once he starts restoring the car and, and becoming more and more obsessed with the car, he ends up, like, gaining confidence but also becoming... A piece of shit. Yeah. And um, the car turns out to be very much alive and starts to go after all the people that, um, all the shitters and all the yeah. people that were, uh, that have done them wrong. Um, like Buddy Repperton, um, who Christine kills because he's way too old to be in high school. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is a good reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, no, I, I do. I really love, I, I do. I think Christine, it's, it's a weird movie because it just, like, if you, especially when you look at, like, Oh, he just come off the thing. And he did Christine because the thing wasn't a success. He needed a success. Yeah. Someone was like, you know, Stephen King, do the Stephen King novel. Where the book hadn't even been published. I mean, it had been, you know, released. Well, it hadn't been released in stores, but it had been published. Yeah. You know, like it was just like a a, a, a first copy, you know. And, and they already sold the rights because that's how hot of a property Stephen King was. So yeah. Carpenter obviously, you know, jumps on that. And, um, but I mean, the cast is just, I love this cast. It's, again, I mean, Carpenter knows how to cast. Uh, Keith Gordon plays yeah. the lead. Um, he was also the kid in, or the lead in Dress to Kill. Uh, Brian De Palma, which is awesome. Legend of Billie Jean. Oh, yeah. Yep. Back to school. He ends up becoming a director later on in life. He does a, a 90s uh, war film called A Midnight Clear. Uh-huh. Um, the, he does episodes of The Leftovers. Remember that movie, The Singing Detective, with um, Mel Gibson and Rob Yeah, he does a lot of TV that I watched that I didn't realize. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. 
Because he's in Fargo. That's right. And uh, like you said, the leftovers and. Um, he did. You said an episode of Legion. Yeah, an episode of Legion, which I really liked, except for the ending. But, um, the show Legion. Uh, yeah, he ended up being. Uh, he plays his character. He plays it really well. It's like starts off very nerdy and then gets. Yeah. Like he's 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 a little kind of wise ass even when he's a nerd, but yeah. Like, um, you really feel for him in the scene where he's getting like when you know fifty year old Buddy Repperton is pulling a knife on him. And, uh, <laughs> but um, you know he's what's great about this movie too is that you can tell that and and Keith Gordon's even said this that he learned watching Carpenter like because he, yeah. he realized this is what he wanted to do is he wanted to direct so he's like you know he's stu- he's on set all the time he's watching um, he's coming up with ideas he's bouncing them off of John Carpenter you know it's great mm. stuff you know and so. Um, it's really cool when you, when you see somebody who's learning from, you know. Yeah, who they've worked yeah, with. And they're respecting, a, and they, yeah. yeah, they have a lot of respect for, and it kind of shows in their performance, too, because they're, like, they're putting total trust into the director. Um, his best friend is played by John Stockwell, and, mm-hmm. uh, our frequent guest, Steve, uh, Steve Sears and everything, we, me and him have become big John Stockwell fans, <laughs> mostly because of Christine. So it is weird, because he's just so cool. Uh, he was, <laughs> he's just a cool dude. Uh, he was an Andy, he was a, he was a model in the 70s, new Andy Warhol. Really? Yeah. I uh, can see that. But he, you know, because you know what he does is he plays that type of, like, jock character with depth. Yeah, you know what I mean? like, like he, I'm a jock with a heart. Exactly, but he plays it totally believable. Yeah. Um... He was in another movie. I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff. He was in Top Gun. He played Cougar in, oh, in Top Gun. But he's in this movie called, uh, it's an Albert Pion film called uh, Dangerously Close. Mm-hmm. And it's about these, like, uh, this group of kids in high school who were, like, kind of, like, remember uh, Disturbing Behavior? Yeah. Remember, like, the the elite kids, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like that without the supernatural or the, the, the weird, like, it's, like, it's basically it's about a bunch of these, like, these kids in school who have decided amongst themselves to... You know, police the school. Yeah. And John Stockwell plays the lead villain in that. And it is, um, he's great. It's a great action thriller, high school thriller with uh, him in it and with the soundtrack like Depeche Mode and like a lot mm-hmm. of great 80s stuff. It's worth checking out. John Stockwell also became a director. Um, here's, here's some of his movies. <laughs> uh, a, a movie, a surfing movie called Blue Crush. Sick. A surfing movie called Into the Blue. <laughs> Sick. And then uh, Kickboxer Vengeance a few like, oh my two God. years ago. Yeah, the, the, remember how they rebooted the Kickboxer? Did franchise? they? That's, yes. I don't like it. This was recent. <laughs> uh, other great uh, mem- cast members: uh, Robert Prosky, who plays Darnell, the mecha- you know the guy yeah. who owns the junkyard. He was uh, in Thief. This is Doubtfire. Gremlins Two. So many. Oh yeah. yeah. He's so he's so good at playing that. Like in, in Gremlins Two, he plays a really warm, lovable, you know, grandfatherly type. In Thief, he plays, like, a guy you think is like that. And but then, is not. And flips it. And he does that both in, uh, when he's, like, offering him a job in Christine. And then, like, he gets pissed off when he turns him down. Or when he says he'll think about it. Uh, yeah. Robert <laughs> Blossom, who uh, was also, who played uh, the guy who sells the card to Arnie. Um, oh, yeah. George, he uh, he was in, um, he played Ed Gein in Deranged in the 70s. Oh. He uh, also was in Last Temptation of Christ. But you may know him as the neighbor in Home Alone. <laughs> uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's a great character actor. Um, uh, Stuart Charno, who's got the he's like a, he's he's the member of Buddy Rupert's gang that was like kind of tall. He's the one who's like working at the get like that weird shop when Christine and yeah yeah he was in Friday Thirteenth Part Two. He's in Sleepwalkers. Uh, one that you a guy that you recognize and I recognize. We were trying to figure out where he was from. Stephen Tash, who's also in uh, Buddy Rupert's gang. Was killing me. I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> and I look him up on IMDb, and the funny thing is, his image is exactly the cat character. from. Yeah, it was the guy from Ghostbusters. The um, very beginning, the guy which is so funny because I remember I was like, I know his face, and it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> the one who was like, who's like, ah, I didn't think you'd be giving me electric shocks. Yeah, like that guy. Yeah, that's him. And then Malcolm De Niro also plays Moochie, mm-hmm. the guy like the pudgy dude who gets run over. Oh yeah, he was in Popcorn. Um, which we watched. He's been in a few things, but uh, I always think of him as, you know, in Popcorn and in Christine. Um, I wish I knew more about... Harry Dean. Oh, God. Harry Dean Stanton. Again, he's just like, I feel like he's in every movie. Yeah. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton is in two scenes. 
Yeah, playing three a- scenes. Three <laughs> scenes. Uh, playing a cop. Playing a detective that like um, I think I don't know if it was. I'm pretty sure last time I watched this with Steve Sears, we were both like, that's the side move. This is the spinoff movie we want to see is this cop. You know, this yeah. cop and Robert Prosky's character interacting. Um, but yeah, Harry Dean Stanton, it's the second time that he worked with Carpenter. Um, there's, he, you know, the only complaint I have about that is that there should have been more of him in it. Yeah. Um, his character does not make it in the book. Um, <clears throat> he gets killed, so. Oh, okay. Um, Spoiler alert if you haven't read the book, Christine, but you're somehow have seen the movie or you're listening to this episode. <laughs> Harry Dean Sands character doesn't make it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean like it's it's you know, it's a Stephen King adaptation. I think it's the one of the better ones. Yeah. I would put it in the top five for sure. Um, it's do you have a favorite Carpenter film? It, it rotates. It's so hard to keep a favorite. I usually say my favorite is Big Trouble in Little China because it's been a staple since I was a kid. Like you said, you put it on and you feel different. Mm. But I also love Escape from New York. I think Snake Plissken is such a good character. But then there's The Thing. Yep. The um, thing. And then there's Starman. There's... <laughs> uh, so it's hard. And sometimes one is... I'll watch one and it will over... Like it will overlap the other one a little bit. And I'll be like, oh, this one... Right. I think is my favorite. So it's really hard to put... Yeah. I mean, I'd say Big Trouble for sure, but at the same time, like... I mean, I, Halloween is so iconic, but I wouldn't say it's it's my favorite. It's tough, because every time I watch it, I'm always I know. like, oh, fuck. You know, and the thing is, like, so he also, he didn't direct it, but he he wrote and produced Halloween 2. And yeah. he produced Halloween 3, and he did the music for both of them. And, um, I mean, again, if you want to talk about soundtracks, Halloween 2 and Halloween 3 are dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, for me, it rotates. I mean, Big Trouble in Little China, I feel like it's kind of its own thing. Yeah, you know? it really is. Uh, whereas, like, Prince of Darkness and The Thing kind of go back and forth with me because, like, they both are two movies that still get under my skin. If I watch it at the right time, the right setting, I can still get creeped out by watching those. Yeah. Um, Christine's not scary, except for the fact that you leapt, like, five feet up in the air. Because the <laughs> it was so loud. It was, like, that moment where the car turns on, it's like, Pah! You know what's funny is the last time I watched it, I, did, I had the same reaction. And I, I didn't know it was coming this time, but the second uh-huh. you jumped up, I, I was like, you know what? I did the same exact thing when, when, when I watched it a few months ago. So um, That scene is great because she's like walking and she's kind of looking around slowly. And then you're like, why the fuck is she going faster? And then it comes and you're like, ah! But you also have to remember that they, like... That, again, we're an audience watching a movie about a car that comes to life. Yeah. If I was in that situation, I would also be kind of like, hmm, I could be walking faster, but do I really believe this car is coming alive? Alive, yeah. Yeah. So we'll give them a pass. Um, I will. (laughs) Um, But yes, uh, so John Carpenter. um, The man. The the man. The man, the myth, the the legend. The legend. You know, again, we pretty much did go over all of his movies. I mean, I think we skipped... A few. A few, but, um, I mean, he's, this is a pretty impressive yeah. list, you I'm know? I'm just glad that I lived in this time period with which I could share and enjoy things that he's created, you know? Yeah. He's one of the good ones, you know? Yeah, and, um, you know, I'm, again, I, I, I really wish that, you know, Hollywood or somebody would just give the guy a truck of load of money and yeah, just be like, like make shit make shit or keep shit but yeah because I mean like we're talking about a guy who's gotten I think he's gotten the bad end of things um you know I mean look at the thing look at Big Trouble in Little China yeah of course but that was also the 80s but they also destroyed I mean those really affected his career you know I mean like yeah. if you think of if the thing had been more successful what would have but happened? yeah I mean or it could have gone the opposite way he, you know who knows anyway yeah yeah it went the way it needed to go to keep him in everyone's thoughts. And now, and now, and now he's just doing movies with, uh, or doing music with his son and his Which godson. Which is so cool. It is really cool. Plus, he's old, you know, yeah. like older. He's got three albums out. Check them out. Uh, Lost Themes, Lost Themes Two, yeah, and then Anthology, which just came out, and that's basically him reworking or redoing his uh, his previous themes, and they're awesome. Yeah. Um. Definitely, definitely worth checking out. Uh, other Carpenter stuff, real quickly. Uh, there's a thing board game. Yeah, I want to play. That it. just came out. Um, there's a great book called On Set with John Carpenter. You should oh, check yeah, it out. Tell me about it. It's a photography book. Um, this one photographer she worked. She was friends with Deborah Hill. 
she was on set for like three or four of his movies. There's some great stills, but also like great anecdotes from all these different people, mm-hmm. including Carpenter. So definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, I think that's that's we, it we for covered d- it. We've covered it. We will actually have a, uh, an episode. Uh, this was going to be a mini episode, but I think it just turned into a a real episode. So uh, we will see. Yeah, because <laughs> we've talked about him for he's the length. He's got a lengthy. Um, career. Wes Craven's was easy because I love Wes Craven, but we were able to skip a bunch because I was like, I know, but at Carpenter, we knew it was going to be like this. Yeah. It's going to be hard to to not talk mm. about everything he's made. Yeah, but yeah, this is our our John Carpenter episode, and we will be back with maybe a Christmas episode. I don't know yet. Yeah, we'll see. We'll Let's see some fucked up Christmas movies. I can think of a few. <laughs> All right, guys, bye bye. Bye. She is seductive. She is passionate. She is possessive. She is pure, evil. She is Christine, a 1958 Plymouth Fury, possessed by hell. Her previous owner is not alive to warn her present one. Once she lures you behind the wheel, You will be hers, body and soul. There is no place you can hide, no place you can run, and nothing you can do can stop her. Because how do you kill something that can't possibly be alive? Christine, body by Plymouth. Soul by Satan.